Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. KMOX is at your service. Welcome to the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline, sponsored by Allen's Tree Service. Now, here's your host, Mike Miller on KMOX. Yes, folks, welcome to the second hour of the Garden Hotline. I'll be giving the tip of the trial shortly, but right now I have a question for... (laughs) (laughs) Oh, it's not to me? Oh, no. Oh, okay. Well, I mean, welcome to you, Brian Kelly, for staying in here. Uh, You know, I heard you talking about Scott Trade Center. That's where the blue, and you got the blues hat on. I have a question for you. Okay. Right across the street from the Scott Trade Center, there used to be this giant sculpture of this rabbit. The rabbit, yeah. So where is it? Metro, when they rebuilt, they added to, actually, the transit center over there. exactly. They took it down. And I think they're going to put it up somewhere else. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh. Yeah, I'm not so, sure where, but I think that was the plan was to put it somewhere else. Oh, I thought, you know, you might have bought it because you like You know, Scott. I thought about it, but I, you know, I don't really have a place for it on my five acres. It, really? It just wouldn't fit in there. Wow. I just don't have room. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, thanks no, for yeah. the insight. I, some, for some reason, that just flashed on me just now. So. Yeah. So there's, they, have a little, they're going to have a little park kind of thing set up there. But, uh, yeah, but they, the rabbit's gone. Bummer. Yep. <laughs> anyway, thanks, Brian. You're welcome. Yes, folks, and if you have any questions, concerns, comments, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. It can be questions about your houseplants. It can be questions about whatever, you know, annuals. Ugh. A lot of people are starting to get those catalogs, and those catalogs are going to have choices for seed, you know, for vegetables, for annuals, and all sorts of things. And mo- a lot of them say you you should start the seed early in the season. So, in other words, sometime in like January, late January, early February. Now, if you're going to start and grow seed inside, better have grow lights. If you got some bottom heat, you know, that would be even to the advantage of the plant material. But just put the, you know, the grow lights only one or two inches above the potting mix and make sure you get a potting mix for starting plant material. I mean, that's very, very important. And also just realize that uh, about uh, probably 50% of the things, the seeds that do germinate, uh, you're not going to actually get them to mature enough size to get them outside. But how about your bulbs? Head down in the basement, you know, and hopefully you didn't leave them in the garage. And check out your cannas and elephant ears and things like that. The reason why I say didn't, hopefully you didn't leave them in the garage. I, you know, I'm always monkeying around with things. I'm trying something anti to what I'm always telling people. But for a couple years, I was very successful in keeping my summer bulbs. I had some dahlias. I had some elephant ears and some cannas in, let's say, Rubbermaid-type tubs with potting mix, and I just put the bulbs in there, and I filled it up with potting mix. I put some potting mix in the bottom, then I put the bulbs, and then I filled the rest of the thing up with the potting mix. And for several years, it worked well. And then one year, it was kind of probably like, I can't remember which year it was, 
but it got cold enough that it actually froze those bulbs, even though they were buried inside. They were in the garage in a rubber, t- you know, Rubbermaid tub, and boy, they were ugh, mushy and just horrible. And your edibles too. You're going to be starting your seasonal, you know, seasonal edible seeds if you want to. Ground covers, your house plants, your lawn perennials, any of the perennials that bloom in the fall. You know, don't cut that foliage off. So just leave it alone. So that's why a lot of times, even with the ornamental grasses, yes, they do flower. We don't think of them as flowering, but they do. They have inflorescence. Let's put it that way. Don't chop the blades off those things until a little bit later on. If you're worried they always start shattering before you can get out there and cut them, well, just put a bungee cord around them, and that prevents them from falling apart all over the place. Your roses, definitely your roses should have been cut back by now. And if you haven't cut them back, you know, your shrub roses, it probably won't hurt. But, uh, you know, your hybrid teas and grandifloras and things like that that have the graft, usually when people cut them back, prune them, you could do it to about 15 to 18 inches. Then you put about 8 to 10 inches of mulch over those, those hybrid teas and grandiflora types. That's to protect that graft. So, in other words, there are two different plants stuck together. The root system is a separate plant from the thing that's above the ground with the stem that actually has the roses. Your vines, yes, and your water gardens. Remember last, speaking of vines, I sort of flashed out. Somebody called last week and said, you know, with clematis, they like uh, more or less an alkaline soil. So in other words, not necessarily salty. You're not going to put salt down, but they like it that way as opposed to, so in other words, the soil pH is above 7 as opposed to below 7. So she asked, how many eggshells would it take, you know, to put And I told her 4 million. So I probably shouldn't have done that. But your water gardens as well. I'll share my thoughts, but please remember my answers, comments, and opinions is certainly not the only garden path to take, but strictly offered as an option. As I said, during the first hour, Greg's still producing. He hasn't run away yet. And uh, he said, oh, I'm just sick and tired of this gardening stuff. But uh, during the week, I do something called... Walk and talk. That's a landscape consultation where I come to your home. We can talk about aesthetics. We can talk about problem solving. You can go to my website, MikeMillerDesigns.com, the homepage. There will be an email address and a phone number. I used to do a lot more with my website, but I've kind of... So don't look at any of the other pages. They're just terrible. They're terrible. They're terrible. And you know my website, whoever that I use, they don't renew the pictures unless I go through some real heartache. So tough luck. I don't feel like going through that heartache. I'm getting too lazy. So I'll share 40 years plus experience with you in relationship to your landscape, whether it's design, plants, you know, care, maintenance, all that other stuff. Now, a special recognition for an individual group or a situation that's made an impression on me. And it's brought to you by St. Louis Composting, 636-861-3344. Tip of the trial today goes to the Missouri Botanical Garden and St. Louis Herb Society. They, St. Louis Herb Society actually put this book out, you know, before as a more or less a Christmas present, that type thing. But if, you know, you got a Christmas present from somebody and the one that you gave them really wasn't quite up to snuff, or maybe you want this book for yourself. The book is called Herbs, H-E-R-B-S, A to Z, and it's an illustrated celebration of herbs. What could be better than that? And it's through the Missouri Botanical Garden Press. It's 56 you know, pages, and it's available at the Garden Gate Shop, the Sophia M. 
Sachs Butterfly House gift shop, and online at Missouri Botanical Garden Press. But what they do is each page is dedicated to one particular herb. So 56 different herbs, and I think, I don't know if they have every letter in the alphabet, A to Z. I can't think of any herb that starts with X. So I'm, hmm, I can't think of one. But anyway, this is a great book to have for yourself. And it's the illustrations and everything else are so good. It's almost like you can smell the herbs by just looking at the pictures and reading the information. So that's who gets the tip of the trowel. A book at the Missouri Botanical Garden published by the Missouri Botanical Garden Press called Herbs A to Z. And it's actually written by, I believe, four members of the St. Louis Herb Society, which is a great organization. If you're into herbs... You should, you know, attend some of those meetings. You'll be very, very impressed. Mike Miller, KM Marks Garden Hotline, back after these messages. Welcome back to the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline with Mike Miller, sponsored by Allen's Tree Service on KMOX. Yes, folks, to the phones we go. If you have any questions, concerns, or comments, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. One thing about pruning I'm going to continue to remind people, you start pruning, yes, you can do it to pretty much anything, except I did advise not pruning on your maple trees. But uh, anything that blooms in the springtime, you can prune them. It doesn't hurt them. I mean, they're woody plants and everything else. All you do is you reduce the amount of flowers that's going to be there in the springtime. So generally, unless this is a disaster, an overgrown circumstance or something that you just can't deal with anymore, wait until after they bloom and then prune at that time let's head over to o'fallon illinois and go into steve's yard hi steve morning mike how are you today very good uh uh, my wife she has a summer summer flowering bulb garden that's going to be in the way of a construction project this spring when would be the best time to move them bulbs as soon as possible I'd get okay. out there and, you know, the ground might be frozen now. Go out there and mm-hmm. see if you can get them up out of the ground. So, in other words... Yeah, you break the crust, you'll be able to get them. Probably. Right. So, but just get them up, you know, shake all the, you know, shake all the soil off of them and put them in paper bags with newspaper layers in between them and just store them until you can get them in the ground later on. Okay. I appreciate that. Thank you. Yep. And, no, you know, when, once you start planting them, you know... Make sure that it's a well-drained soil. Obviously, you probably know it's because you've had success with them or your wife has. But the well-drained is almost essential for any type of bulb. There's a few that can handle a wet soil, but not all. Let's go now from O'Fallon, Illinois, out to Wentzville, Missouri, and into Barb's yard. Hi, Barb. Hi, Mike. Hi. Uh, two questions. Uh, can Does Jack, uh, Jackman's clemat, clematis, mm-hmm. uh, does it, it grow on... New vines, or can I cut it all the way down? Uh, you mean as far as the flowering goes? Yes. You really shouldn't cut it all the way down. For the most part, uh, any of them are not going to be able to. They all, all clematis, for the most part, grow on you know flower buds on old wood. Oh, okay. Because this a bird left it behind, and Ooh. it's climbing all over. Um, uh, I want to say euonymus, mm-hmm. is that the right word? And uh, I started to pull it all up, a lot of it. I, I want to keep it, right. but uh, it's because it's of course, looks like heck right now all over the euonymus. <laughs> but uh, so it grows on the old wood. Right. Okay, second question. I have uh, four or five big pots full of bulbs. Uh, 
outside under the eaves of a garage. Does do they need watering to some extent during the winter? Yes. D- oh, you know, okay. I heard you talking just now about them turning mushy if they freeze, and it is. I mean, with our weather, especially now, it is. They are going to freeze yeah so are you talking about summer bulbs are you talking about spring blooming flowers spring bulbs yeah uh, spring bulbs i was talking about summer bulbs you know the cannas the elephant ears and dahlias so that was the ones that got frozen but i've got all kinds of pots of tulips daffodils crocus and grape hyacinths right i planted all those in big pots so i don't know 16 18 inches across it uh but they're under the eaves. Yeah, so if they're under the eave now, depending upon what side of the house they're on, just go out after you know we have some rain if we ever have any more rain or something like really? that, and just you know check and see if the you know if the potting mix that you have them growing in is damp or wet or whatever. Then that should be adequate. You don't have to worry about it. But sometimes, depending upon the angle of the house or there's trees and things like that, if they get overly dry, that could be to the disadvantage of the bulbs just in general. Okay, they would be because they're kind of northwest. Yeah. Um, but uh, they are uh, southwest, I should say. But they uh, are dryish. So if that's the case, just take a, you know, like a gallon water, uh, you know, a gallon okay. of water out there and just pour it around because I know you'd want to fool around with turning on your faucet and all that other stuff. Right. Oh, okay. Thank you. Yep. Very easy to do, and you should have great success with that. So. Let's go now to Crestwood and to Mary's yard. Hi, Mary. Uh, I have two questions. We have a um, lilac tree and a sweet bay magnolia, and they both flower. Mm-hmm. Should they be fertilized, and if so, when? Uh, fertilizing, fer- fertilizing in general of trees is really not all that beneficial. You can certainly use a tree fertilizer if you like, tree spikes and all that other stuff. But... You know, you're better off just to take care of the soil. So I don't know if you were listening in the first hour, but there's something called deep root feeding where you actually either have a company come out or you do it yourself where you auger holes in the ground with a earth auger, which is about a one-inch drill bit, and just fill those holes back up with compost. That's probably the best thing you can do for either one of them. Do you like that sweet bay magnolia? Yeah, I do. Okay, then the other question is, I go to the store and they have like so many... Zinnia seeds. Do you have a favorite? <laughs> Personally, I like the smaller ones. That's, okay, that's what I'm, I keep looking at them, and they, some are big and some are short and some are tall. Right. And I just wanted the old-fashioned ones. Right. So I just, you know, personally, you know, because you get more flowers to them, big, you know, I'm not really into like sort of big dramatic anythings, except for elephant ears. I shouldn't say I don't like anything, but but for the most part, I like, you know, kind of pointillistic quality the zinnias will give you. Okay. Thank you so much. Yep. And also realize if you've not grown zinnias before, just realize when the heat and the humidity goes up in the summertime, you're probably going to end up with powdery mildew on the leaves and that won't hurt at all. And my brother has been growing, my brother Tommy's been growing zinnias for probably 25 or 30 years. He just gathers the same you know, seeds off the plants every year and replants them every year. So zinnias are really kind of cool. Let's go now to East Crondelet, Illinois. And Marilyn, how are you today? I'm fine, thank you. And how about yourself? Very good. I have a question about clematis. And, um, my... Um, we salvaged the clematis from uh, 
my daughter's house and uh, planted it at my other daughter's home. And um, actually, uh, her boyfriend wanted to change uh, his, their flower, her flower bed and make uh, something different, and he dug them up just not too long ago, about mm-hmm. a couple of weeks ago, and just set them in, um, in pots. And, um, it, and I'm afraid, is, is that, are they going to survive the winter? Uh, because I don't think he put them in a garage or anything or, or had enough ground. Uh, would they survive the winter like that? Um, my guess is no. So in other words, if he would have dug them up and put them in a pot and then dug a hole someplace else and dropped the pot down in the hole, the chances of survival is much better. But just to stick them in a pot that's above the ground with this cold temperatures, that is not a good thing. That's what I thought. And uh, what do you do to uh, kind of fertilizer do you use for those? Uh, Basically, you don't want to over-fertilize it with anything. But, you know, you can use pretty much any, let's say, perennial or, you know, fertilizer, whether it's by, let's say, Scott's or anyone else. So, but don't use a fertilizer for acidic plants. They want, they like alkaline soil. So, in other words, they like soil that is, you know, where the soil pH is above 7. So, in other words, it's more salty as opposed to more acidic or vinegar-like. Oh, I see. And also, if you wanted to take a cutting off of a clematis and start a new a vine, um, when would you do that? Probably right as the new growth is beginning in the springtime. And I would, rather than trying to root it in water or anything like that, I'd go to your favorite garden center, get some rooting hormone, and then after you make the cutting, make the cutting at a 45-degree angle, you know, dip the cutting into this rooting hormone, and then have it in a very small pot, and have the potting mix that's in there for starting plants. Oh, okay, okay. All right, well, thank you so much. Certainly. Thank you, Marilyn. And if anybody has any questions, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. Back after these messages. This is the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline with your host, Mike Miller, on KMOX. Yes, folks. 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120 if you have a question, comment, or concern. Sharon lives in O'Fallon, Missouri. Hi, Sharon. Good morning. How are you, Mike? Very good. Good. I have an amaryllis bulb that I got, and it's in wax. It doesn't require water or light or anything. It's really cool. It's getting ready to bloom. When it's done blooming, should I take the wax off and plant it, do you think, or what would you do with that? Yeah, I was. that's what I would do. Yeah. So in other words, take the wax off. You know, once Uh it's, you know, the flowers, as the flower finishes or starts to finish, you should start seeing some foliage, some leaves coming out of the base of the stem where the flower is. And just, you know, just cut the, once the flowers are finished, just cut that stem off and put it in a potting mix. And probably I would use a potting mix again for starting plants, even though this is a big plant, it's not a starter, but at least use potting mix, not potting soil. Okay. Okay. That's what I'm going to do. Thank you very much. Sounds perfect. And, um, you know, you could fertilize at half-label rate just to kind of help it get established. But uh, other than that, I wouldn't do too much for it. It's You know, the foliage is going to end up, depending upon how big the bulb is, in the first year, they could be, the straps could be 15 to 18 inches long. So they're kind of cool. Oh, wow. That, I've never seen anything like that. When I saw it, I thought, oh, my gosh, I have to have it. And I love it. I mean, it just sits on my counter with no dirt, no water, no light, anything. It's just, it's, it's really pretty cool. So well, um, 
it's a neat thing. Yeah, that shows you how much energy actually is in that plant, in the bulb of this plant. Right. So in other right. words, you know, to build it up for the future, it has to put out root systems. But right, right. now it, it was harvested right at the right time and everything else. So, I mean, this is the same thing that could, you know, I guess they could do it with other bulbs. But amaryllis is, you know, much more attractive bulb-wise than most of the bulbs. Right, right, right. Okay, thanks for your advice. I appreciate it. Certainly. Yeah, I've never heard of a, you know, a bulb just being grown more or less like that. Just sit it around. So that sounds great. So let's go from O'Fallon, Missouri, to Hazelwood, and that's where John lives. Hi, John. Hi, Mike. How are you today? Very good. Okay, got a question for you. I made uh, an appointment with a tree trimmer a couple months ago. Um, they're just getting back with me now. Uh, my trees are about 20 years old. I've got uh, like eight junipers, uh, sunset maple, tulip tree, couple red buds, and a couple Cleveland selects, and they want to come out and trim them. What do you think? Well, personally, I don't like to prune you know, evergreens like the junipers, regardless of what type they are, if they're upright, if they're spreading or anything else. I don't like to do that in the wintertime. I'd prefer okay. to do it, uh, you know, once the harshest part of the winter because they can prune them, but that's, you know, the, the tips that have been cut off, regardless of how much or anything else, are, you know, suddenly right. some, you know, needles on the inside that were protected by those on the end are now fully exposed. And if we get some severe wind chills, which they're talking about, it could be some major damage. And then also, like the red blood is something that flowers in the springtime, Pruning it's fine. It won't hurt it or anything else. You just reduce the amount of flowers that you're going to get. Okay. Because, like I said, these trees are about 20, 25 years old. And, they're, you know, my tulip tree is pretty big, and I got some branches hanging over. But, uh, you know, I had asked them, how do you know which, uh, which, which limbs to cut when there's no leaves on them? And they go, that's why we have an arborist. So, <laughs> yeah, I'm just exactly. I might, right. I might, I'm thinking I might just put that off then until the spring um, just to have it all done then. Yep. So that was my question. I just wanted to make sure, you know, it wasn't too late in the season, which it sounds like it is. So I'll just call and reschedule the appointment for sometime in the spring. Yeah, so, I mean, you might get it. You might have to pay more or scheduling-wise might be problematic. But, you know, the let's say normal, the tulip tree and things like that, I'm assuming you're talking about tulip tree and not a magnolia. So No, it's a, it's a tulip tree. Okay. It's, so, it's yes, absolutely. Yeah, they get huge. It's about 40 feet, and the pin oak's pretty tall. Sunset maple's really tall, too. Right. So those, like I said, I just wanted them to clear it out, the bottom, you know, just take off a few branches off the bottom and right. kind of clear it out a little bit. Uh, uh, the guy that came out, though, was really knowledgeable. He, uh, I, I had a couple different bids, and I'm going with Gamma Tree Service, so that's who the tree service is. Great. But, uh, yeah, um, so that's what I'll do. I guess I'm just going to wait and, and see. Like you said, I know it might be a little bit more. But what are you going to do? You know, I don't want to take a chance now because those junipers are probably, you know, 25 feet tall. Wow. Yeah, they're big. And they I don't think I've ever had them trimmed. So, I mean, they're looking like the Grinch out there. <laughs> <laughs> so, I'm curious, why do you want to have them pruned? Well, they're just go, uh, growing in on the other, uh, on my other neighbor's property. So, like, oh. cut the grass or smacking her in the face. Okay. I don't think she's too happy with that. Okay. And then a lot of times in the winter, over the past winters, when we'd get a heavy snow, they, they would almost be bent over and broke. And it's right. like, what can I do? I don't want to lose them. So. Yeah. 
But what you can do in the future is, let's say, you know, put bungee cords around them. If you can get a ladder, you obviously you can't get one 25 feet high, but just to right. keep it from, you know, sort of like falling apart. Same with arborvitae, the same sort of type thing can happen with them. Okay. Okay, sounds great. Thank All right. Thank you very much. Yep, good luck with that. And, yeah, so... It's just, you know, it can be done now. It probably won't ha- cause anything, no problems or anything else, but you just, you never know with our screwy weather. So sometime after, I always, you know, say Valentine's Day, that's when the weather is never going to get as severe, hopefully, as it is going to be over the next few days. John lives in Carlinville. Hi, John. How are you? Uh, fine. Yeah, I've got a couple questions. Uh, one, uh, the Christmas cactus we had this year did really great indoors. Uh, you're not supposed to handle the leaves, I understand, or the, or the flower blooms on that. Is that correct? Handle the them as, you mean, as far as like? Touching, uh, you're supposed to not really touch the plant a lot? Well, you you don't want to pet it or anything, but yeah. I mean, any plants, you could cause some damage to it. And with, you know, the way those leaves are connected together, they're almost like joints. And mm-hmm. so if you if you get a little rough, you could sort of like cause a fissure or a crack in between those joints, those connections between each individual leaf, and that's where the problem could come in. But you can touch them. I mean, they're not, they're not you know, you're not going to get some kind of rash or anything from them. Oh, no, no. Okay. The other thing was, uh, is it too late to water young trees? Uh, I watered, uh, transplanted some trees this year. They did good through the summer, even, you know, I, even though it's been dry. Right. And I, I watered them. Uh, I put a bucket on them about a month ago, and they still, they're good good doing trees going into the fall but is today really too late no you can water them if we get you know continuous you know dry period as we have any newly installed plants should be watered you know kind of routinely just to keep the you know moisture in the ground so consequently the root system will stay you know viable and as i was talking about in the first hour that when the ground gets really dry there's going to be air pockets around the feeder roots then the cold air is going to sink in there and it's going to do damage to these little feeder roots which are root hairs and so that's what you you know having moisture in the ground or putting moisture around the plant that's what minimizes that because the water helps hydrate the soil pushes it out so there's no more air pockets around the feeder root system and that's more of a stress on a young tree uh, a tree 10 15 years old you can't really help much. No. I mean, you can if we have, you know, extended drought, but younger ones by, you know, five years or less, you know, they are, they still don't have a really well-established root system. Okay. Thank you. Yep. And Mike Miller, KMOX Garden Hotline, back after these messages. Welcome back to the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline with Mike Miller, sponsored by Allen's Tree Service on KMOX. Yes, folks, we got about uh, nine minutes to go, so if you do have any questions or concerns, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. And remember, my answers this day will be the last answers for 2017. The answers next week will be an answer for 2018, so my answer may be entirely different. But at 10 o'clock, guess what? Investing Sense with Andy Smith and Bob Richards. 11 o'clock, the Helotech Foundation Repair Home Improvement Show with Scott Mosby. 1 o'clock, Rick Edelman Show. Uh, 3 o'clock, the Business of Family Business. And 4 o'clock, the Camwax Dollars and Cents Show with Dave Simon. So all kinds of at-your-service stuff coming up today. And then after that, of course, you know what comes up, Blues Hockey. 
So let's go to Florissant and into Susan's yard. Hi, Susan. Uh, yes, I was wondering. Um, I have a maiden grass that I put in about last, uh, maybe end of July, August. Mm-hmm. Didn't get an opportunity to cut it back down. Um, so it's still standing. It looks great. It's just dead. <laughs> um, is it okay to, is that, do I need to cut that back now? Wait till spring? Wait and till also, spring. Okay, wait till spring. Yeah, wait. you don't have to wait till spring, spring, but sometime after we come out of winter, what's going to happen with this is, you know, maiden grass, if you know how it grows, the center of the plant will not produce any more blades. It's going to start producing blades on the perimeter, on the edge. It may not be obvious right at first, but, what you know, the time to start pruning it or just before, when you start to see the blades break off and just laying on the ground right around the plant, then you can cut it and cut it back to about uh, four to six inches. Okay, and also knockout rose bushes, I was unable to trim them back. Wait till spring also. No, no, you can prune those now. Oh, okay. All right. Thank you. Yeah, just, I don't know how big they are, but uh, I cut, you know, I'm growing four knockout roses in pots, so I've cut mine back to about 15 inches. If they're big and they're outside, you know, only cut about a third of them off. But some people don't agree with me on that, and they say you can cut them back as much as you want. Okay, thank you. Yep. And Jim lives in St. Charles. Hi, Jim. Hi. Hey, I have a uh, holly tree, and I got a new furnace put in, and they put a horizontal exhaust in. It's blown right on my tree. Ooh. And it survived two winters so far. Uh, 2015, I guess, it was kind of tough on it. Last year it didn't. But now I can already tell that some of the leaves are turning yellow, and I guess there's nothing I can do for it. Well, basically now, are the leaves turning yellow over the whole thing or just right where the heat you know, from the exhaust comes kind of out? all over the thing. You know? Well, if it's all over the thing, that's just natural. Okay. So it's nothing to worry about. And I've got a, you know, where our dryer vent comes out, we have a mugo pine and a boxwood right there. And what I've done is I've just taken a, you know, a more or less a big pane of glass and put it where that exhaust from the dryer vent is, and that diverts it so it doesn't blow straight onto the plant. Okay. All right. Thank you. Yep. Good luck with that. And now let's go to Fenton into Carol's yard. Hi, Carol. Hi. Uh, I am calling about roses. I heard you talk about uh, trimming them. Mm-hmm. About four years ago, I was given in a florist thing. It's a, it was a little miniature rose, only right. about six, eight inches tall. And I planted it, and it's been blooming, but I've only cut it back to like 18 inches, and, and it's just a single one or two or three stems that come up that get maybe two feet tall. And I was wondering how I could trim that so that it would go back to its little miniature size. <laughs> well, genetically, usually the miniature roses don't quite get that big. So this may be just a genetic, so you're not going to be able to prune it to keep it from getting that tall. If it's continuous, if it's done it for a couple of years, this is the genetics of this. Some of the miniature roses stay relatively small, only like 8 to 10 inches at the most. Right. So it's variety-wise more so than anything else. So to prune it, to keep it small, you just it's going to be a waste of effort. Okay, so just cut it back to the 18 inches or so uh, each year. Right, exactly. Okay. You can cut it, you know, you can cut it a little bit lower. You can cut it down, you know, 18 inches now. And then in the springtime, when you pull the mulch back away from it, you can cut them down, you know, down to like 8 or 10 inches if you want to. Oh, okay. I'll try that. It'll get a little bit shorter. Right, exactly. Okay. Thank you so much. Yeah, and that's the way you should do with all hybrid teas or grandifloras. All those, you know, those, let's see, 
fancy schmancy roses is cut them back only part way going into wintertime and then cut them back more severe as we come out of winter going into summer. The mulch goes over the, over the root systems, even if they're not grafted, but pull the mulch back up when you're pruning them in the spring. So now, Josh, in High Ridge, how are you today? Good. How are you? Very good. Hey, I had a question um, about dog urine burns to the grass, right. or whatever you call them. Is there anything I can do about that, or am I just, you know, in a pickle? <laughs> <laughs> I, you know, there are in theory products is you know supposed to help with that. If anything, I would get some gypsum, but you're going to have to follow your dog around all the time, and I don't know if you want to do that with a bag of gypsum. You're going to make your dog paranoid, and you're, you're going to cause it psychological problems. And no, I don't. There's not, <laughs> your dog's going to hate you for this and try to run away. But gypsum would be the only thing that you could do. But you know those spots are just going to happen. There's no getting around it. Okay, thank you. Yeah, I mean, you could you know, put gypsum on the spot if you like, you know, if but you you can't follow a dog around all the time and do this or you can water, you know, pour water on the spot just to dilute it, but uh, it's just high salt content and the reason why I'm saying use gypsum is because that's what I recommend with rock salt is to counteract, you know, it binds up the let's say the saltiness of the rock salt so it's going to bind up the saltiness of the urine. So that would work better than uh, following him with water. <laughs> it might be more fun with the water, but uh, you know, in the wintertime, I don't know if you're going to do that. So yeah. exactly, yeah. I was doing it in the summer. Just I don't want to do it now with the water. So every right. time he pees, just following him with the hose is kind of a pain. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, right. You're, like I said, you're going to make your dog nuts. <laughs> right. <laughs> you're going to end up having to send your dog to a psychiatrist, and then you know, just all kinds of things. <laughs> Okay, well, thank you. Yep. Yeah, that's a, you know, that's a tough one. It's kind of like, you know, if you have a fenced yard and the dogs are running along the fence all the time, how can you get grass to grow there? It's impossible. You can't do that because they're compacting the soil. That's what I, even if you correlate and do everything else, they're still going to run back and forth along the same places. And that's why you can't, you know, grow lawn in areas that, where dogs are running along the fence. It's just virtually impossible. So thanks, Josh. And thanks to everybody for calling in. I greatly appreciate it, and, you know, Happy New Year. I mean, even though it's going to be so cold, I'm really seriously thinking we may not go out for New Year's if it's going to be quite that cold because we're wimps and we're getting old. But uh, it's just like this morning when I took my good gardening stroll, I wimped out after only about a block, half a block. I thought, this is crazy. I'm not going to, you know, what's the advantage of doing this? But everybody have a great, you know, end of this year. We've got a day or two to go of, you know, half of this day and all of tomorrow for, you know, so just, you know, take it easy and relax. Certain, you know, certain places do some great celebration. I don't know if they still shoot off the fireworks down at the Arch or not. I never see any advertisement. Maybe that's part of the Winterfest that I was talking about, you know, earlier. But just, you know, stay calm, enjoy the plant material, and uh, just hope that you don't freeze. So uh, it's another year. Mike Miller, KMOX Garden Hotline. See you next week. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? 
Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.